What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content goes out through there, whether it be these podcasts, different articles I pull together, and of course, stuff posted directly through Twitter. It's all in one place, so please do go check me out over on the Bird app. We're going to be doing today what we usually do. We'll look back on some of yesterday's top performers. We'll comb through the waiver wire. We'll see who's being added, who's being dropped. And then we'll talk about a couple of matchups taking place tonight. One in particular, which I believe is later this afternoon, is really going to be an interesting one. So we'll touch on that closer to the end of the show. But for now, we'll go back and we'll look at who were the highest performing players from yesterday. Big surprise, the number one is Jacob deGrom. He had an outstanding outing against the Dodgers. Seven innings, nine strikeouts, one run, one walk, and three hits. Jacob deGrom, for the season, has pitched 36 in the third innings. He has struck out 55 batters. He has a 198 ERA and a .55 whip. I know that we go on about Jacob deGrom, about how great he really is, but I think... I mean, if you just look at it, even from a fantasy perspective, you can start to see how great he has been this season. He is, according to Yahoo and their player rankings, the 145th ranked player on a total basis. We're not talking per game here. We're talking just in terms of their total value that they've had this season. DeGrom is 145. Now, I'll remind you, Jacob DeGrom has been active this season for less than a month. I believe his first start of the year was on trade deadline day, which was August the 2nd. And he is already the 145th most valuable player for the entire season. He is ahead of pitchers like Adam Wainwright and Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan and position players like Brendan Rodgers, Nick Castellanos, Ty France. He's ahead of these guys after just one month worth of play. It's ridiculous. I could keep going down the list and there's other players that he's ranked higher than uh, Brady Singer, um, Ryan Mountcastle, Hunter Renfro, Trevor Story. George Kirby, all these guys who have been, I mean, there have been some injury problems mixed in with the guys I mentioned there a little bit, but for the most part, they've played a hell of a lot more than one month, and according to Yahoo, Jacob deGrom has been more valuable than all of them. He is ridiculous. I think it was Mookie Betts who was talking yesterday and created a bit of discussion about, I think he said Jacob deGrom is arguably the greatest pitcher of all time, and I think that that is a fair statement to make based on the advancements in training in their workout regimens, and everything is so scientifically formulated where, I don't know, if you're going to compare him directly to, like, Cy Young, it's probably pretty hard. And if you're looking at just the product that they put out there, I mean, Cy Young had, like, 500 victories. A lot of people will still say Cy Young, but if you just look at the actual quality of the pitches that they're throwing, the dominance, I think Jacob deGrom makes a really strong case. Now, obviously, we can never say something like this for sure. It's not something that we can actually quantify, that deGrom is better than Pedro Martinez or Roger Clemens or Sandy Koufax or Cy Young or whoever. It's it's impossible for us to actually tell. But it honestly is a good case to be made that deGrom could be the best ever. And I think it's it's crazy when we hear it put in those terms, but... It is legitimately a possibility that we'll, it's obviously something we'll never be able to know. But if you really sat there and think about it, like he really, really could have a strong case. And the fact that Jacob deGrom didn't even start pitching in the major leagues, I think he was 25. Let me, let me just check this real quick. I think that he debuted a little bit later than most people debut. Uh, let's see here. He was 26 his first year in Major League Baseball was his age 26 season. So just imagine if Jacob deGrom had come up at 20 or 22. Like Clayton Kershaw 
has six more seasons on DeGrom, but I believe that they are the same age. It's just, obviously, I don't know. It's hard to pick between those two guys. But if imagine if DeGrom had six more seasons and had given us the same product. I had the conversation the other day with my dad. Uh, is Jacob DeGrom going to go to the Hall of Fame because he has not such a long track record of doing this? We're talking like six or seven years of dominance, which I think is enough. I personally think what he's done should be enough to put him into Cooperstown. Will it end up actually being enough? I think so, yeah. I mean, as long as there's not, knock on wood as I say this, as long as there's not terrible injury problems the rest of his career, if he's able to stay healthy, pitch a few more seasons, and give us what he's given us these last few seasons, especially going back to 2018, I don't see how DeGrom is not going to make the Hall of Fame. I think that maybe it'll take him a try or two, because some people will say he didn't have the longevity, he came up older, Maybe he'll get in second or third ballot. I don't know. I think personally he should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's the best pitcher in baseball. And if you did draft him, then you're feeling very, very good about yourself because it was discounted. You got DeGrom probably, I think, in somewhere in round five or six. Obviously, if you drafted early, you might have picked him in the first round, which would have essentially sunk you. Maybe not 100%, but if you picked him in the first round, it probably was a tough season for you. But if you were able to tread water during that time, now you've got healthy Jacob DeGrom, and he should be, honestly, a league winner in a lot of cases, which sounds kind of crazy talking about a guy like DeGrom, but he's going to win a lot of people their championships where if he had not come back, those people would maybe not have even made their playoffs or not have even been in contention. He's just that dominant. He really is. So enough time on DeGrom, but he is really, truly one of the best pitchers we've ever seen. And in my opinion, he should be going to the Hall of Fame on, on the first ballot. Let's talk about Lance Lynn for a second here. He had another really good outing last night. This time against Kansas City, he went seven innings, grabbing himself a victory, giving up four hits, one earned run, and eight strikeouts. Now, this is four straight starts for Lynn, where he's gone at least five and two-thirds, allowing no more than two earned runs, and striking out at least six batters. All really good stuff. It's pretty safe to say that Lance Lynn is back. The only hesitation I have is when I look at the opponents over these last four starts, Kansas City, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Detroit. Not the highest level of competition. Obviously, Baltimore has done very well recently, and Cleveland has been a sneaky good team this year. But we're not talking about the most high-powered offenses here. So, yes, I'm pretty safe to say, uh, I'm safe in saying that Lance Lynn is back at this point. I do want to see him have another good start next time against the Mariners. This one will be on the road although I am pretty safe in saying uh, he is an auto start at this point of the season. When he first came back, really rough outings. The advanced stats were showing us that he was getting a little bit unlucky, bad BABIP, and left on base percentages in the works. So I wasn't so out on Lance Lynn when he first came back. If you missed the entire season pretty much like he did, you're going to need some time to come back and work up your arm strength again. So I, I wasn't too worried, and now I'm, I'm really not so worried at all anymore after seeing how he's performed over this last month. Over his last 36 and two-thirds innings, he's got 42 strikeouts, a 2.45 ERA, and a .85 whip. No worries there about Lance Lynn. He's 87% rostered on Yahoo. Very unlikely you're going to find him in any kind of competitive leagues, but just make sure, comb through, and see if he is available in maybe a shallower format because I don't think that he should be available anywhere. He did get dropped a little bit uh, when he had those early struggles, and maybe he's still available. Not going to be a lot of people, but just make sure that Lance Lynn isn't just still uh, sitting out there on waivers. Let's talk about Patrick Sandoval for a second. He had another really good outing yesterday, picking up a victory against the Yankees. He went seven innings, three hits, two earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. Now, those walks have been a really big thing for him. Earlier in the season, really most of the season, he's been walking guys pretty much every single outing. And it's not just one. It's usually been two, three, four. And I know he walked two batters yesterday, 
but it's only three total walks over his last three games, which for Patrick Sandoval is just fantastic. It's been seven innings, six innings, and nine innings in those three starts. Two earned runs, one earned run, zero earned runs. He's getting strikeouts. And he did it yesterday against, albeit a, a faltering Yankees team, but still a very strong offensive team there. When you look at what he's done over these last month, 32 innings, a 1-3-9 ERA and a .96 whip. The whip has been the problem with him the entire season because he has a 3-0-2 ERA, which is excellent, but the whip is at 1.34, which normally wouldn't be the biggest of deals, but when your ERA is 3.02, a 1.34 whip at that point is like extremely high, and that's because of the walks, but he has been working on that recently. We have seen some really strong performances out of him. And the best part is his next start comes against the Tigers. So if you picked him up thinking maybe he was, well, I doubt you just picked him up to stream him for one time against the Yankees. But maybe you did. Maybe he was just on your roster already. Or maybe he's just sitting in the waiver pool. I would go ahead and add him even maybe a day or two ahead of that start against Detroit. Because he will be a popular ad where he's still available. He's 65% rostered in Yahoo League. So it's not going to be a ton of them, but where you can still find him, I would be going and getting yourself some Patrick Sandoval and trying not to wait until the last day if possible because I think a lot of people are going to have that same idea when we get to that Tiger start. Let's talk about Lars Nupar for a second. He hit a home run, he stole a base, and he walked twice yesterday. And the kicker is that he didn't even start the game. So when I saw that he was going to be sitting, I tweeted out his stats for the month of August. I figured his stat line was done. Maybe you get one more at bat, a pinch hit or something. But I figured this is what it was going to be. Before yesterday's game, it was 21 runs, 13 RBIs, 4 homers, 2 steals, and a 277 average for the month. Add on to that that he's walking nearly 18% of the time, striking out just over 14% of the time, and he's consistently leading off for what is an elite Cardinals offense he should be rostered pretty much every single league. 54% on Yahoo, 29 on ESPN. Those are numbers that really should be going up. Lars Nupar is in a fantastic spot for fantasy value right now. Anybody in that Cardinals lineup really is, especially those top five, six guys in the order. But when you have players behind you, like Arenado, like Goldschmidt, you are very protected in terms of the runs you're going to be scoring. And even just on his own here, I mean, he has provided value regardless of what lineup he's in. Getting on base a hell of a lot. Those RBIs, of course, the home runs and the steals, that has nothing to do with your teammates, really. He's just been a fantastic asset, and I would not be letting him sit out there for waivers for much longer. I don't think that will be that much uh, longer where he is still available, so I'd be going and getting Nupar where you can. Let's talk about John Birdie, who I've dropped wherever I had him. I don't have any shares of John Birdie anymore. I wish I had sold high and took my own advice. I tried. No one would take him. Uh, I was maybe aiming a little bit too high, but he was like an elite producer there for a while. So maybe it was my fault wanting too much of a return for him. But anyway, at this point, I don't have any shares of John Birdie. I wish I did yesterday briefly, but then that did change. So we'll get into it here. He hit a home run and he stole a base yesterday. Obviously really good stuff, but he had to leave with a hip issue in the eighth inning. I don't think it's supposed to be a big deal, but obviously not great for somebody you want to be stealing bases. That will just impact his mobility. A home run is obviously very nice. He only has three this entire season, and he hit it off of Drew Rasmussen, who has one of, been one of the better pitchers in baseball this season, really, uh, especially recently. Drew Rasmussen has been elite. So pretty cool to see John Birdie hit a home run off of him there. If you're still holding on, I guess you still hold on and see what the problem is with the hip here, but I, I've personally already got rid of my shares. I just don't think he does enough for you across that many categories. Obviously, he did yesterday. But, I mean, three home runs, 21 RBIs. He's batting 259. 
if you desperately need steals and he's the only option you have, then I guess you kind of have to go with him. But for the most part, uh, I've 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 moved on from Birdie, and I think it is probably wise for you guys too as well. He just doesn't do enough for you. Maybe in a very specific, you know, you need stolen bases in Roto or you'd stream him in because it's a head-to-head matchup and you're down three steals or what have you. But I don't think that he is a must-roster player anymore, unfortunately. Let's talk about his teammate from yesterday, Trevor Rogers, who actually had a pretty good start. And I, I'm pretty sure I said, like, the best-case scenario for him was five innings, six strikeouts. He did six innings and five strikeouts. Only allowed one earned run, walked one batter, and gave up five hits. This was a really good outing for Trevor Rogers here against Tampa. I'm just not sold still. He's just been so volatile. He's been like Jose Barrios, but on like steroids this season. And I mean, I probably shouldn't use the word steroids when talking about baseball players, but essentially that inconsistency of Barrios, but just magnified times like two or three, only four victories on the season, bad strikeout numbers, still the ratios are poor. I just don't have any faith that he can give you consistent good outings one after the other. And I don't know, the Marlins aren't playing for anything. He has had some injury trouble. Uh, granted, with his back, it's not like an arm issue, but I don't know that they're really going to push him so much here in these last couple of weeks. The Marlins aren't really playing for anything. I mean, I haven't checked the standings in the National League East in a couple of days, but yeah, I pretty th- I think it's safe to say that the Marlins are not playing for much at this point. They're 17 out of the wild card. I don't know. I, I've used this argument with Sandy Alcantara. Why are they going to push anybody? Seriously, why push any pitcher more than five-ish innings at this point of the season? It's just injury risk right? I mean, why risk guys who are going to be cornerstones of your fan or of your franchise for the next probably five, seven, 10 years, whatever it is, pitching meaningless games in September. They did it with Alcantara last season. There was a couple of games, if memory serves, where he threw seven, eight, nine innings down the stretch in meaningless games. It's just, in my opinion, I think it's poor management. It does not make any sense. Like we see load management in other sports to a, an absurd degree. Like you see NBA players sitting like a quarter of the season to try and preserve injuries. Like that is too much. But I think that there are some starts that we'll see possibly missed for Rogers for Alcantara. I mean, this isn't an Alcantara segment, but I think that the Marlins in general should really think about doing that kind of thing, whether they will or not. I don't know. I think it's more likely with Rogers than Alcantara. I think Alcantara will just want to keep throwing and throwing and throwing. But I think that it would be wise for them to really think about sitting these guys down. You're not doing them any favors. I mean, maybe you'll do Alcantara the favor of getting him a Cy Young. But I I don't know. Pushing these guys nine innings, eight innings, seven innings every time, I don't think it makes too much sense. I don't think that Rodgers will have so much value down the stretch here. I mean, even if he does pitch every time, which I'm doubting, I don't know what kind of product we're going to get from him because of just how inconsistent he's been this season. So, very long story short, I'm passing up an ad on Trevor Rogers. If you did add him and he did well for you yesterday, kudos. Uh, I don't think it's something that we can expect a hell of a lot out of. I just want to see who his next start is against, and I believe it'll be against the Phillies in Philadelphia. That is a risky one for me. I am not a big fan of that one there. I believe uh, it should be on next Wednesday if they keep everything in order. I think it'll be next Wednesday. That is way too risky for me. I don't want anything to do with him there. Um, leaving Trevor Rogers alone, we've talked about a ton of better pitching options on the wire. I'm, I'm not there. I'm really not. Let's talk about Alejandro Kirk for a second. He has been someone who we have not mentioned in quite a while on the show. He was an early season, really hot pickup because obvious reasons, a catcher who hits for a high average, who's playing most days. He's got some power. Obviously, he was going to be a hot pickup. He, since the All-Star break, had hit zero home runs until yesterday 
when he did, in fact, hit a three-run home run. So very nice to see him get back into uh, the long ball game. I saw some people thinking that maybe they should be dropping Alejandro Kirk and going for you know a streaming catcher kind of plan. Maybe go for Carson Kelly when he's hot or Shane Langoliers or one of those guys who, I don't know, maybe has been hotter recently. I don't think I wouldn't necessarily do that. Kirk still has a prime position in a very strong batting order. Yes, they are inconsistent as all hell, the Blue Jays, but that lineup is still very strong when you look at their stats for the season. It actually surprised me looking back on these, um, how high up the Blue Jays rank in particular batting categories. They're fifth in runs, third in hits, third in average, fourth in on-base percentage, fourth in slugging, fourth in OPS, ninth in home runs. Top 10 team in every offensive category. I personally would hold on to Kirk now, especially after hitting a home run yesterday. You're probably not going to be too inclined to drop him. But I would understand the sentiment, really. I mean, if it was a different position other than catcher, I'd probably be more with you on that one. Like, he just hasn't really been doing all that recently. But the fact that he is a catcher, good team, power potential, mixed with that high batting average, which is very rare for a catcher, I'm still holding on to Alejandro Kirk here. I don't think it'll be too many of you dropping him after a game where he hits a home run, but I know it has been a frustrating ride to roster him for, I mean, really since the All-Star break. We're looking at like a month and a half of of subpar play from him. So I understand the thought, but at the end of the day, uh, we're going to be holding on to Kirky. Let's move on and talk about some of the more added and dropped players across fantasy baseball today. For those of you who are new, I'll usually just go through the top maybe five or seven ads and five or seven drops and just tell you guys what I'm generally trying to do with them. So the number one ad, I don't think this will be much of a surprise, is Gunnar Henderson. He hit a bomb in his first game. Like It was a missile. Uh, what was it? 429 feet. It was 107 off the bat. And his helmet came off like immediately after he hit this home run, and he ran the entire bases with that long flow flowing out. It was really cool. Not something you usually see. I mean, helmets fall off sometimes when guys are running. I see it with Vlad Jr. His helmet comes off pretty regularly. But like pretty much in the batter's box, this guy, as soon as he turned, that's how violent the swing was. The helmet popped off, and he ran the bases the entire way with no helmet. Pretty cool for your first career home run. I think it was his second at bat, I want to say. Yeah, it was his second at bat. This was off of Tristan McKenzie. We're adding up Henderson wherever we still can. Another really cool thing added on is that he's currently eligible at short, but he started yesterday at third. We have to assume he'll play some more third base and that he will be eligible there as well. So, yes, you would be adding him up even if it was just shortstop eligibility, in my opinion, but given that he'll soon have third base as well, uh, it's just gravy for fantasy managers. He's an absolute must-add player, and I'm curious to see who has a higher roster percentage by the end of it, Gunnar Henderson or Corbin Carroll. Currently 39 for Henderson. Uh, Corbin Carroll is at 51. So Carroll had a couple days head start getting to the bigs, but Henderson is catching up very quickly, so we'll see exactly uh, at season's end who is going to be more rostered. Let's talk about Rich Hill now. His last start was an absolute beauty against Tampa Bay. That kind of flew under the radar on this show because it happened on a Saturday in the middle there. The next day, there's no show. And then Monday, I typically look back on Sunday, and he just fell through the cracks here. But he did go seven innings, picking up a victory while striking out 11 batters. Rich Hill with 11 strikeouts in the year 2022. In any year, really, that would be impressive for Rich Hill. But specifically at this point, Really impressive stuff. Now, he is going to be starting tonight against Texas. This one will be at home. If you're going to stream, if you're dead set on streaming, I think he's about as good of an option or one of the top two options that you're going to have today. It is a pretty weak day. I would recommend holding off your ads until tomorrow or later on down the weekend. 
a player that I did add today ahead of starts uh, this weekend. I haven't looked so much ahead at the weekend. That's typically what I'll do tonight for ahead of tomorrow's show. But I have added David Peterson up in a couple of leagues. He should be getting the start tomorrow night against the Nationals. So that'll be a really interesting one. If you are looking for streamers, he's not really being added so much today. Uh, a little bit, but not, not not nothing to really write home about. I would be looking more towards David Peterson than the guys we have going today. I think Rich Hill is an okay option, and we'll talk about one other guy who is also a decent option. But for the most part, it's not the greatest day for streaming. We only have, I think it's six games today, seven games today, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, eight games today. But we do have a couple of aces going. We have some guys who are already pretty highly rostered, so there's not going to be so many great moves to make. Hill is an okay option, but I wouldn't be, uh, you know, tripping over yourself to go and grab him. Ken Waldachuk. I think it's Waldachuk. I've although I think I've heard some people say why and like that L is silent. I I don't. I I think it's Waldachuk. But anyway, he will be getting his start today against the Nationals. Of course, the Nationals are just a great team to stream against. We've talked about this before. He was acquired from the Yankees in the Frankie Montas deal, so I think he was one of the headline pieces in that trade. In the minor leagues, he has done some pretty good stuff this season, a 284 ERA with 137 strikeouts and 95 innings. I think that he's probably worth a shot. Like him and Rich Hill, I think are both pretty decent options today. Obviously, the Washington thing is beautiful. You love those matchups, but first career start, you know, you you, ne- you never know what's going to happen. So it's pretty safe, but it's not without its risks as well. Those two guys would be at the top of my list. I think I would prioritize Rich Hill if I had to choose. Just go with the experience and the guy who's had coming off a really good start here. So I think I'd go with him. Both of these guys should be all right options. Another guy being added up to start here is Kyle Bradish. And I think we're being a fooled a little bit here because of his previous start. It was eight innings against Houston. Shutout innings, I might add. Six strikeouts where he got the victory. That was his only real good start over these last month or so. And while that is a nice sign, I think it's more of a fluke than a fact. Uh, he gets Cleveland tonight in Cleveland. I am going to be holding off on Bradish. If you are if you want to stream tonight, then go for Hill or Waldachuk. They're both 20% rostered. You should be able to find them in most leagues. Bradish, he is a bit of a risk here. I would not be uh, not be recommending it outside of very deep leagues. Johnny Cueto is the next guy being added. And he is... Really, honestly, been a lot better than anybody could have possibly expected this season, Johnny Cueto. His ERA is still below three. Now, he did have a bad, bad outing last time. It was seven runs over five innings against the Diamondbacks. And you kind of knew that he was due for a bad one here. He had just been so dominant. Like, he had gone at least eight innings in three of the previous four starts before that. Johnny Cueto, like, it's just, it's really hard to believe that he even is capable of this anymore. But we've seen like four or five starts this year where he's gone eight innings. Now, last time, obviously, five innings got knocked around a little bit against Arizona. I think that that's probably closer to what we can expect going forward from Johnny Cueto. He is not in his prime anymore, not even close to it. And while he does have a good matchup here against Kansas City, I do think that there is a lot of risk associated with it. He's not somebody who's going to give you a lot of strikeouts. You're pretty much hoping, praying for a victory, which he's done a a little bit of I guess it's like six wins in 123 innings it's not great the White Sox have not covered themselves in glory this season so a win is kind of a hit or miss the strikeouts are not going to be there you're hoping for good ratios which should be what happens against Kansas City but again it's you're you're praying hoping for two maybe three categories here I'm going to be holding off I don't think he's worth it I really don't Eduardo Rodriguez is the last pitcher we'll talk about here who's being added up. He's had a couple of good starts since returning from 
whatever the hell it was. I don't even remember what I th- was like some marital problems or something. I don't I don't think it was an injury. I think that he had some like some personal trouble and he had to miss time for it. He's had good starts now coming back against Los Angeles, like uh, the Angels, and against the Rangers. He gets Seattle today. This one will be starting pretty soon, actually. By the time you guys hear this podcast, that start will either have happened or be underway. Now, I, I don't think that an ad of Rodriguez is really going to cut it. He's had a couple of good starts in a row, sure, but he's not somebody with a track record really ever of having fantasy success. There was a season a couple of years ago in Boston where he had one good fantasy season. I think it was four, five-ish years ago. Recently, over these last couple of seasons, he really has not cut it for you other than providing some decent strikeouts. Now, this season when he's been out there, we haven't even had the strikeouts. 50 innings, 41 strikeouts, granted with lower ERA and whip than we've been accustomed to. I just don't think he's going to cut it. I'd personally be holding off my ads for the weekend, go for a David Peterson, or even, you know, I'd rather go for a Rich Hill or Ken Waldachuk. I think that there's a higher floor with those guys. Rodriguez is really not the greatest option for me. I am going to be passing. Uh, Josh Hader is somebody else who has been added up a little bit today, not a ton, but I told you guys you'd regret dropping Josh Hader. He got a save yesterday. I knew he would. I didn't think it'd be this quickly, to be honest with you. Uh, Nick Martinez had worked a couple days in a row, so they wanted to give him a day off, I guess. Hader came in. He got the save. He struck out a batter. Now, does this mean he is back into the closer role? I don't think so yet. I think that they'll probably ease him back in with a couple of outings like this. You know, a couple saves here, a couple there. Maybe, you know, the eighth inning every now and again. But it's a great sign that they've already gone back to him in that role. If they were really dead set against going back to Hayter, which I never thought was the case. But if they were, then we would not have seen him already get another save chance so soon after that brutal outing against Kansas City. They only gave him like three days off. It was not not a big deal there. A lot of people dropped him. Like He's below 90% rostered in Yahoo leagues now. When he was a guy the entire season, we were looking at 98, 99, 97%. So he is going to be available in a lot of leagues, and there are going to be a lot of people who are going to need closers down the stretch. Now, I still think Nick Martinez makes for a decent ad, but there will be a day, and I don't know when it will come, but there will be a day where Hayter just fully takes over again and Martinez will need to be dropped. And just don't get too attached because that will happen. I'm not sure when, but this is a very good sign for those of you like myself who held on to Josh Hader in most cases, feeling really good about the fact that end of season, last couple of weeks, finals, semifinals, uh, Josh Hader should be back in that closer role. So really great stuff. Let's go ahead and talk about some of the more dropped players today. The number one drop was actually the number one ad for a period of time yesterday. Uh, Gunnar Henderson did eventually take over, but in the morning, by the time I had recorded, Marco Gonzalez was the most added player yesterday, and he actually had a pretty good outing. It's a mixed bag fantasy-wise because he gave up three runs over six innings, so his ERA yesterday was 4.50. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's just what it is. He also only struck out one batter in those six innings against Detroit. Really not what you'd want to get. But he did come away with the victory. So you have to take that overall, I think, as a success. Kind of similarly to what we did with Cole Irvin the other night. You know, he gave up some runs, but he got a high strikeout number, got the victory. I think we're looking at a pretty similar outcome. Not exactly the same, but you'll still take the win to go along with, I mean, not a terrible ERA here with Gonzalez versus a decent amount of strikeouts with Cole Irvin. Pretty similar stuff. Now, the difference is, obviously, that Cole Irvin has a second start this week, so I'd definitely be more inclined to hold on to him. I think he's a better pitcher in general, 
Marco Gonzalez is not going to be starting until next week now against the White Sox. I understand the need to churn out that spot in the lineup and go and grab the next uh, hottest thing. So by all means, go ahead and drop Marco Gonzalez. There's not really much of a need to hold on to him at this point. And you, you'd argue it's it's a waste of a, fan, of a roster spot to even hold on to him. Jose Quintana, he's also been dropped. Now, he allowed two runs in four and two-thirds against um, the Reds yesterday, only striking out one batter himself. He's someone I'm probably going to be holding on to. I have a lot more faith that he can rack up some wins to go along with at least mediocre strikeout numbers. It's not going to be anything crazy. But, I mean, he has 109 strikeouts in 132 innings, where Gonzalez is like, it's really brutal. 146 innings and 80 strikeouts. Like, yes, he has 10 wins as compared to Quintana's four, but Quintana spent a lot of the year on the Pirates. It's just not really a fair comparison there. I would personally much rather have Quintana. I think that he'll have some decent value the rest of the season. Pitching for St. Louis, he should be able to give you decent victories, decent strikeouts, decent ratios. Unless you are in desperate need of that roster spot, uh, personally, I'm going to be holding on to Quintana outside of, you know, if it's 12 teams and deeper. Maybe if you had him in a 10-team league, if you streamed him in for whatever reason, uh, you, you're probably okay to drop him. But 12 and deeper, uh, I'm keeping Jose Quintana. Brett Beatty is the next drop we will talk about. He was put on the IL with a torn UCL in his right thumb. He'll have surgery on Thursday, and they hope that he can be back before the end of September. He is an absolute must drop. He was brutal while he was in the lineup. He was 7 for 38. He did have a couple of home runs, but he was really not providing you so much value. He's still 14% rostered. He was 26% last week. Absolutely, Brett Beatty uh, at this point cannot be held on to. Maybe if you have a free IL slot and you just don't care, no one else to put there, then sure. But uh, he is a totally safe drop at this point. Alex Wood is another player who is pretty damn safe to drop, I think. Four and two-thirds yesterday, four runs allowed against the Padres. He took the loss. He struck out five batters. I was a big Alex Wood fan. I still am a fan, but this has just gotten to a point where you could not be rostering him at this time of year. Last 30 innings, he has won one game, struck out 32 batters, but his ERA is 8.40. The whip is 1.33. Shorten that to his last 12 and a third. ERA is 13.86. The whip is 1.70. He's been unlucky this year for a lot of it. Bad BABIP, low left on base percentages, good independent fielding metrics for the most part, but this this has really gotten out of control with Alex Wood. He is no value to me at this point of the season, and he's got to be dropped. He's just not performing at all, no consistency. It's been, well, consistently bad, I guess, if you want to talk about consistency. His last decent outing came on August the 6th, or excuse me, August the 8th when he went six innings against those same Padres. But since then, rough outing against uh, Pittsburgh, rough against Colorado, rough against Minnesota. Before that, it was rough against the Dodgers, which you'll forgive, but it's just... Overall here, he's too risky at this point of the season. I am way more than okay with a drop of Alex Wood. The final segment today will be highlighting a couple of my favorite pitching matchups tonight, as we usually do here. The first one, it's not really so much the night for you guys, especially on the West Coast, but 4.10 p.m. Eastern time, we have the Dodgers and the Mets. It's going to be Clayton Kershaw making his return against Chris Bassett. Now, Clayton Kershaw... Obviously, one of the best pitchers we've ever seen. This season has been no different when he's been out there. A 264 ERA, a .98 whip. He's been outstanding now, of course, only 85 innings because he's dealt with some injury trouble. But hopefully we can see a good outing here in his first time back off the IL. I don't expect him to push him too much, probably five-ish innings, but it should still be a lot of fun there. Chris Bassett on the other side. His first season in New York, a lot of people struggle in their first year under the spotlight of New York City. 
Not something I've really heard talked about with Chris Bassett. He has not been one of those guys. 11-7 and record, a 334 ERA, a 1.13 whip, and 139 strikeouts. He has done an absolutely fantastic job. Really, really has been excellent. Now, he does face a tough Dodgers team tonight. That is first in runs, first in hits. Or, excuse me, first in runs and third in hits. Obviously, going to be a tough team to uh, to face up against. But Chris Bassett does have the stuff where he can be successful against the Dodgers. So that one should be a lot of fun to watch. Later on, shouldn't be as good of a game, but should still have some intrigue. 9.40 p.m. Eastern time. We have the Brewers and the Diamondbacks. It's going to be Brandon Woodruff and Merrill Kelly. Brandon Woodruff, obviously, still one of the better pitchers in baseball. A 331 ERA this season, 132 strikeouts, and a 9-3 and record. For the Brewers, who really should be leading their division still, but they kind of gave up on playing baseball this year. I don't really understand their thought process for this season, but, I mean, they've won four of their last five. It's just it's been against the Cubs and the Pirates, so I don't know how much stock you put into that. It just feels like they've kind of, I don't know, not really put in as much of an effort in later in the season as they were early on. However, that doesn't affect us with Brandon Woodruff here. He is an excellent pitcher still. Should be a lot of fun to watch him there. On the other side, Merrill Kelly who has really been one of my favorite pitchers in all of fantasy baseball this season. He's been immaculate, really. I mean, for what you were expecting out of Merrill Kelly, which was not a hell of a lot, he's got a 297 ERA, 135 strikeouts, and 157 innings, and 11-5 and record. That is really, really great stuff for Merrill Kelly. Obviously, I'm preferring the Kershaw and Bassett matchup. That one just, you know, obviously Clayton Kershaw is going to be more interesting but both of these games, I think, should be well worth tuning into. A couple of other kind of interesting ones. We have Waldachuk making his debut at 4 o'clock. Uh, Shane Bieber takes the bump at 6 o'clock against the Orioles. We obviously have that Rich Hill game at 7. And then Spencer Strider will be facing off against Colorado at 7.20 p.m. Eastern time. That one will be in Atlanta. Guys, that will do it for us today. Thank you so much for continuing to check out the show as we head into the later stages of the season. If you have not done so already, please do subscribe to the podcast and leave some kind of positive review. It would really help us to move up search results here in the later stages of the season where people start to you know, zone out from baseball a little bit, which is understandable. But you guys can really help out with just a couple seconds. Click on that five-star, leave in a, some kind of review, and people will continue to tune in throughout the offseason because of that. So, Really appreciate that. Really appreciate any follows over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, which is where our other baseball and fantasy baseball content comes out from and will continue to come out from throughout the offseason and heading into next season, which will be a big one for Sports Ethos. If you are somebody who is interested in learning the fantasy game, learning how to podcast, writing about a team, covering a specific team, whatever the case may be. If you're interested in sports or fantasy sports, shoot me a DM at JoeOrico99 or at Dan Bespris. Those are the best two accounts to reach out to in terms of that. Myself for baseball, Dan for basketball and football. That is enough rambling for me, guys. Best of luck in your matchups, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody.